Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word, Lord, this last book of Proverbs, this last chapter, Lord, and I pray that you would give me the gift of teaching. I pray that we would all learn whatever it is you want us to learn tonight, and even as we go into our small groups, that we would even learn more. We know, Lord, that it's unending what we can learn from you, and so we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're winding up our Proverbs study with the last chapter and probably the most difficult for us to swallow as women. As if we don't see it or feel it enough that we can't measure up, here's the picture of the perfect biblical woman. And I've not really been a fan of hers, to tell you the truth. (laughs) So we as women are bombarded with images of what a woman should look like, be able to accomplish, etc., And in actuality, this proverb is really written for a man, so it's not really written for a woman, for a man to look at for qualities in a woman, not written for a woman to compare herself to others. So that's the caution here. It is not about comparison. But of course, this is the word of God, and we can glean from these words for it's Holy Spirit inspired. And we have been learning all along the differences between wisdom and foolishness. That's been our running theme. And truly, a godly woman looks towards wisdom. It's never too early or too late to pursue becoming a woman who reflects godly virtues. And as our homework said, no matter whether you are single or married, a mother or a grandmother, may we let it be our prayer that God would do his work in each of us, the work that is needed for us to be wise and virtuous women. Women. Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. So we don't know anything about King Lemuel. He's not in any recorded list of the kings of Judah or Israel. So he possibly could have been a pagan king who put his trust in Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, and through the fear of the Lord learned wisdom. The name Lemuel means belonging to God. And it could be a pen name for the author. Several older commentators and Jewish legends often say Lemuel, the one belonging to God, is actually Solomon himself, and his mother is Bathsheba. So I kind of hope not, because if so, he didn't listen to her instructions. So, And it's really grieving when your children do not take hold of your godly input. But nonetheless, whoever this is, his mother did teach him. Perhaps like Timothy, Lemuel had a Jewish mother who taught him the fear of the Lord and God's wisdom. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So this encourages us that we can teach our children and grandchildren, and regardless of what we see as the outcome presently in their lives, we are to pour into them, and we are to do what God has called us to do. As Isaiah 55:11 says, the word does not return void. And if we do not have any children, we can still be a godly example to those younger who are watching our life and how we serve the Lord. Proverbs 31:2. What my son and what son of my womb and what son of my vows, do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. 
Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. So these first nine verses reiterate some things we've already learned through Proverbs. One that we discussed was adultery, and another was that drinking is a pitfall. And we talked about this during our study on self-control. We talked about the cost, the calories, the chaos that ensues when we choose this lifestyle. But we also talked about Christ who can heal our wounds and help us through difficult addictions. And if by chance anyone here is struggling with an addiction, and believe me, you'd think, oh no, nobody here would be. It's very possible. Please, you know, see me or your leader, and we would love to pray with you and get you a mentor or direct, direct you for the best help. Verses 8 and 9 encourage the king to reign properly, fairly, and righteously. But tonight we're going to focus on the rest of these verses and then we'll end with communion so that we can end our Proverbs study with time with the Lord, just you and him. So back to the Proverbs 31 woman, who by the way was not an actual woman. Because we often think of her as an actual woman, we can certainly struggle with the seemingly impossible standards set for us in this passage. King Lemuel's mother was describing characteristics of a godly woman. One with value she hoped her son would find. So let's keep this in mind as we're talking about this woman. We're talking about a wise woman, not a perfect woman. A little history. This poem is an acrostic with the initial words of these 22 verses all beginning with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. They are, there are other acrostic poems found in the Bible. This is what was used here in these verses, and it was a device to help them memorize so that they could learn this by heart. And it's kind of like, you've probably done this with your kids, um, A is for all have sinned, Romans 3.23. B is for believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, Acts 16.31. And you just go through the alphabet teaching, something that would be great for your kids to learn. That's what this is. So we're going to begin in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The word virtuous occurs just three times total in the New King James Version of the Bible, and this being one of them. The other two are Ruth 3.11, Boaz speaking of Ruth, and now my daughter, do not fear, I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Proverbs 12.4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. So virtuous is an adjective, and it means conforming to moral and ethical principles, morally excellent, upright. The qualities of this virtuous woman, as we will see in these coming verses, are often mentioned in the previous Proverbs that we've studied. As a whole, the Proverbs have much to say about wisdom, diligent work ethic, wise business practices, honorable speech, which we talked about, compassion for the poor, and integrity. So here, these same qualities are now going to be in reference to a virtuous woman. We can say she is a strong woman, and her greatest strength is her wisdom rooted in the fear of the Lord. Her worth is far above rubies. Precious gems like rubies are both valuable and rare. The complete profile of the Proverbs 31 woman is an ideal goal. Much of the listing of the character of the God kind of like the listing of the character of the godly man 
for leadership in both 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So it would be rare to find a woman who excels in every aspect of this list. So it should not be used to compare or condemn either yourself or anyone else. So rather, the goal is for us as women to learn, grow, and hopefully reflect the values of the woman who walks in the fear of the Lord and godly wisdom. And I think that's key. We have enough comparisons in our lives, and this is not intended to do that. Does anyone ever compare themselves to others? I think we all do. Um, we were, I was at the tea, and people were setting up, and a woman came in who had never done a table before for our church, and she, right away she was like overwhelmed, like thinking her table wasn't going to be good enough. Why? Because she was looking around. And that's what we do. We look around. Um, how about she's prettier, in better shape? Did you know on social media that 80 to 90% of it is, there's filters. So people look flawless and great. But why do they do that? Because of comparisons. And they don't want to feel that they can't measure up. How about her kids are serving the Lord? And mine are not. Well, it may look like they're serving the Lord because you could be amazed at what kids can look like on the outside and on the inside. It could be a whole different thing. But God knows the heart. All kids, all of us, have areas that need the touch of the Holy Spirit, and there are no perfect kids out there. How about her husband is attentive? Her home looks like a model home. She juggles it all, and apparently perfectly. She can do crafts and sew, and I cannot. She decorates so well, and it can go on and on. And we all have different gifts. And I learned quickly that sewing was not one of mine. When I first got married, I really wanted to make Jim a robe because my mom was a seamstress and I wanted to be like her. My sister's really good at it and I thought I should be like her. And so I tried to make this huge robe. It was made out of terry cloth and I don't know. But after I got done sewing it, it was like, I don't even know what it was. It was all stuck together. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I continued to try to sew only with frustration and hate. Like I hated it. I disliked it. And so I just realized that fine motor skills are not my gift. I mean, even when I try to put a necklace through the little hole, I struggle. I always have. And so it's not because I'm old. It's because I just never had it. <laughs> I tell that to my kids. When I can't find my way, don't think it's time to put me in a nursing home because I can never find my way ever since I was young. I had no directional, you know, what's north, south, east, west. But anyways, you have to know what your gifts are. And if they're not, you know, something that someone else has, it's okay. So as we go through this lesson, remember what we learned in our very first lesson of Proverbs. The Proverbs are general truths. And so they're not promises or to be looked at without other scriptures alongside of them. So as we read these next, 11, next verses, 11 through 24, let's pay attention to all the people that this woman serves on a regular basis. And that's the key to this lesson tonight is servanthood. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, verse 11, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength 
and strengthens her arms. And the reason her arms are so strong is because the work was hard and heavy back then. There were no dishwashers or washing machines. Everything was done by hand. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand to the distaff. And that's a staff with a cleft end for holding wool, flax, etc., from which the thread is drawn in spinning by hand, once again. And her hand holds the spindle. So more hard work. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. So what I see here is she is other-oriented. In other words, she is a servant. She serves her husband, her family, her household, whoever enters. She serves the poor and the needy, looking beyond her household to bless. And she also takes care of herself. We also see she works hard. She makes sure that the household has food, clothing. She makes a profit and is definitely not lazy. She will do her husband and the children good because of her character. And your profit to the family may sometimes come in monetary ways, but it also comes in very practical ways. Either way, you are making a profit for your family. Her husband trusts her. She makes it easy for him to do his work. She honors his leadership. Her management enhances the family. The family lacks nothing of value by the way of household goods. I mean, who usually buys the toilet paper and makes sure it's there? The woman, right? She's not afraid to work. She runs her household well. And as we all know, a mother's work is never done. And so that's a lot that she does, right? But we can't do it all, all the time. But um, I was teaching our grandson, Francesco, because he lives with us. He's six. And I think I've mentioned this before, that a mother's work is never done. And I've been teaching him that. And I explained to him why that is. Because even if you sit down, there's like something else that should be done. It's just never done. And he says, but Papa's work is always done. And (laughs) I'm like, because Papa, he has a project. He gets it done. And then he can sit down in his lazy boy and put his feet up. And he's done for the night. And it looks all done and neat. The, The lawn is mowed. And it's done. But a mother's work is never done. So in these verses, we see the importance of character. She is a wife of noble character mentioned in Proverbs 12:4, which we read earlier. Her lamp does not go out. She's planning ahead. She has foresight. All this takes incredible character traits of diligence, determination, attention to details, denying oneself, unselfishness, hard work, kindness, organization. And on the topic of foresight, I know you guys have all probably heard the story that I'm going to bed. And the wife says, I'm going to bed, honey. And then all this is what she does before she gets there. She picks up the toys in the living room. She puts away the dishes. She locks the back door. She picks up the toys by the back door. She cleans the glass on the back door. She packs the lunches. She writes the note for the teacher. She takes the clothes to the laundry room. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, she gets ready for bed. She reads her devotional. She goes to bed and thinks about the things that she forgot to do. So she gets out of bed and writes them all down. And... You know, that's just on and on and on. And then when the husband says, I'm going to bed, he goes to bed, you know. (laughs) It's just so true. But on a spiritual note, let's look at some verses on being a servant. Because truly, that is what women do best. They serve others. And ultimately, we are to serve Christ. Romans 1.1, Paul, 
a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. And so our primary goal is to be separated to the gospel and to get the gospel out to our children, our grandchildren, our peers, people we meet. That is our primary role. Galatians 1.10 For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So we are to please Christ first and foremost. I looked up the phrase servant of the Lord. I just looked that phrase up I, under Blue Letter Bible. And I couldn't believe how many times I found Moses' name. It said, Moses, the servant of the Lord. And I want my name to read that way. Claudia, the servant of the Lord. And I'm sure you guys all want that too. And even in the last book of the Bible, Revelation 15.3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now let's balance this servanthood with other scriptures as wisdom and being a servant to your household doesn't mean that no one else in the house, household has to pull their weight. Women can be and should be watching over our households and serving our families, but we can fall into doing it almost to a fault, doing too much for our kids, for instance. A friend of mine, she lives in another state, she sent me a, uh, some pictures of a place where she's staying because they're in between houses. And they, the family has a 12 and 15-year-old boy, and she says they do nothing, like the ketchup's on the couch and the cereal bowls are everywhere, and it's just piled everywhere, and they don't take care of it. They don't put it away. They don't have any expectation to do that. And so we need to instill godly servants' attitude and work ethic into our children and grandchildren. And we unfortunately live in a society where many kids have little expectations on them and they feel they deserve the privileges um, without working for them. Second Thessalonians 3.10 in the New Living Translation says, Paul says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. And so this is another thing I've been teaching our grandson Francesco, that he needs to do jobs because if he doesn't do jobs, then he's not going to get to eat. <laughs> so I was explaining to him that's what the Bible says. And so um, his uncle James was over a couple weeks ago, and uh, James said to him, hey, how's it going, Francesco? And he says, Grammy says I can eat today. <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm like, I'm trying to teach him a biblical principle. So, so Ecclesiastes 10.18, because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Ezekiel 16.49, look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness, Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So we are the example of being vigilant and a servant, primarily of our Lord Jesus Christ and then to our families, and on there to teach it to our children and grandchildren. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. Matthew twenty twenty eight, our prime example, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he is our example. And if we are truly having a servant attitude towards our Lord, hearing his voice and doing what he calls us to do, we will be serving our families and others appropriately. We will take that meal to the new mom or someone sick. We will watch someone's kids in a pinch. We will support the poor, maybe taking on a compassion child or a foster child a few times a month or help at the women's pregnancy center 
or be an influence a few hours a week to mentor someone. We will honor our husband and train up our children in God's ways. And we will know when to say no as well to the demands of life. And on it goes. And so if our focus is on the Lord, just everything else falls in place. And we have seen and will see in these next verses that the godly woman does not eat the bread of idleness. And we have a great commodity on our hands, and it's called time. How we use it will determine our effectiveness to our families, to the next generation, or even to our peers or those that are older than us. Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Colossians 4.5, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. 2 Timothy 1.9, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. 1 Peter 1.17, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And so we're, we only have a short time here. 1 Peter 4.2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So we use our time wisely, not foolishly, redeeming that great commodity time, and we will be wise women indeed. And it may look different for each one of us, and the way that happens is through a servant's attitude. However, love must be the key, not just the works. And if we do it all, but we have not love, as 1 Corinthians says, we are a clanging symbol. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so I think this is where it gets real. If we do it all and have not love, what does it truly profit? And we need that love for our difficult relationships, whether that be our husband, our small children, our adult children, our grandchildren, our roommate, our sister, our parents, our friends, or those difficult women that God places in our path. So now let's go to Proverbs 31, verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates." So here we see she's confident as she faces the future. So I do not see fear ruling her life. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And how easy is that to do? It's, it's hard to do. She has the law of kindness on her tongue. And is that our first tip of the tongue reaction? She is clothed in strength and honor, meaning those two things are part of her character. In Colossians three twelve through 16, we talked about that um, a couple studies ago, that putting on. 
And so in those verses, it talks about as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. And then it says in verse 14, but above all these things, put on love. The wise woman is a teacher of wisdom. She's kind. She's an attentive overseer, overseer and not idle, as we talked about earlier. She's worthy of praise. She reverences the Lord, and her life is a testimony to others. She's praised by others and does not praise herself. Proverbs 27, 2. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. And the book concludes the way it began, by referring to fearing the Lord. In Proverbs 1, 7, it said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Proverbs 31 woman realizes charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who reverences the Lord will be praised. And not maybe the way you think you should or by someone you expect it from necessarily. Sometimes our husband and our kids or our peers may not fulfill this verse always in our lives, but by the one who counts the most, the Lord. This woman knows true beauty grows with the years and she will have treasure in heaven. 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4 says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And incorruptible means that it will not dissolve, disintegrate, or decay. And the King James says it means immortal. So we have an immortal beauty that does not dissolve, disintegrate, or decay. And here's what Pastor Chuck says in, on this last verse in Proverbs. He says, there is an old Swedish proverb that says, good looks don't last, good cooking does. Beauty is vain. I feel sorry for a woman who has made beauty her priority in life. She can't stand growing older, and it takes her longer to do the things to be beautiful. But it's vain. True beauty is of the heart and only increases with the years. And then he gives the verse that we just read in 1 Peter. And a verse I would like to add is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore we do not lose heart. For though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And I've seen women grow older and more beautiful. I really have. And if they know the Lord and they love the Lord, they just get more and more beautiful. So take heart. We can get better on the inside. Serving the Lord should truly be our focus. The rest will fall into place. And being a Proverbs 31 woman isn't about being perfect or trying to live up to impossible standards. It's about living with our focus on the Lord. And ultimately, it's to serve a risen Christ our risen Savior. So we're going to end with communion, and I'm going to just read a verse and give you a little thing that I would like you to focus on when you get the communion. So um, Christy's going to come back up, and she's just going to give us some instrumental for a little bit while I get some of my leaders to help pass out the communion. And so once the communion is passed out, then I want you guys to um, spend some time just reflecting on your own servanthood towards the Lord and those in your life God has called you to serve. Make things right between you and the Lord and ask for that servant attitude to be cleaned up. And then after you do that, and she's going to play a song through that, then just slip out to your groups. If you don't have a group, come and see me. But I just want you to take time to think about servanthood and where maybe you're lacking, where you need to shore it up a little bit.
So we're going to read Matthew 26, 26 through 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so this is how we remember what Jesus did for us. As we eat the bread, we should remember how Jesus was broken, pierced, and beaten with stripes for our redemption. And as we drink the cup, we should remember that his blood, his life, was poured out on Calvary for us. And the new covenant concerns an inner transformation that cleanses us from all sin. We are blessed to be part of the new covenant if we've received Christ as our Savior. And so this is that time to just have that cleansing with the Lord, make things right with him, and enjoy that time. And so I will close in prayer, and then we'll start serving the communion. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time. We ask as we partake on our own, just you and us, that we would be thinking about that, just you and, and ourselves, and what we need to do to be a better servant in love, Lord. Help us to have a loving attitude towards those you place in our path, whether it's our family, whether it's our roommate, whether it's anyone, Lord, that you put across our path. Help us, Lord, to have that servant attitude and to do everything that we do as unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.